Welcome to the Fire and Earth Podcast with your hosts, Jason Mefford and Kathy Groover. Fire and Earth, giving you the keys to unlock your limitless potential. Welcome to another episode of the Fire and Earth Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Mefford. And I am Kathy Groover, and we are so excited to be back with you. We're going to talk today about something that we have all faced. We've all had this issue. It's about resistance to change. I don't know, Kathy. I don't ever have that. Really? Oh, you're just so uh. laid back and easy going. You just, yeah, change, change, change. Give me more change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't believe yeah. you. You don't believe me? Yeah. Well, okay. I guess if I'm honest with myself, I probably am a little resistant to change because it's part of human nature, right? We all are. We're hardwired to be hesitant of things that are the unknown. I mean, that's just, that's the way where brains are. Brains pick safety over happiness. So it's going to look at different things or change as a threat. So it's just sort of natural. And there are ways that we as humans throw some more cognitive stuff into that. And then there's other ways that we can allow change to come a little easier. So we're going to talk about that today. Yeah, because you're right. There's there's actually, it's both conscious and uh, conscious and subconscious reasons mm-hmm. why we resist change, right? Yep. And I know we've talked a lot about the subconscious brain before. And again, one of the one of the stats numbers that just still is crazy to me, but we we see or subconsciously we pick up on three times as much danger as we do sure. as we do positive, right? So right. already our subconscious is is kicking us, right? Of not wanting to change. But our but like you said, our conscious, we we also throw some conscious things in there too oh, sure. to make it hard for us to change. So let's yeah. let's talk about because I know this is a topic that you're really interested in, given a new speech on it now. Yeah. And that's happening. So, well, I mean, well, who knows when this layer, but it'll have happened by now and it'll have been brilliant. It'll be awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and I did come up with a couple of reasons. So let me just go through these reasons and then we can talk about these. So the first one is it's just our brain. I mean, like this is just what our brain does, you know, and it's interesting that you had the stat of three times we pick up, you know, three times dangerous. We do positive. We are hardwired to hear negatively valenced words quicker. So if you're crossing the street and I scream, no, you're going to hear that faster than if I said, nice shoes. You know, your brain is like, because mm, it's mm. looking for danger. So in a way, we are really just hardwired to be a little resistant to change. Um, the other one is fear. <laughs> fear of failure, fear of success, fear of the unknown, fear of judgment, all that stuff. Um, one is just plain stubbornness. Sometimes we're just, no, I said I wouldn't do it and I'm not going to do it. Now, I never do that. No, (laughs) of course you don't. I don't either. I am not stubborn at all. The other one is secondary gain. You know, sometimes we are rewarded for staying stuck. Sometimes it's just habit. And I have a very funny story about that. Sometimes it's outside forces. So we're being influenced by other people. And then sometimes we're just plain lazy. The change would be the easiest thing in the world. And we're just not doing it because we're like, meh, I'll do it some other time. So those are kind of the uh, the reasons I came up with. So uh, which one of those do you want to tackle first, Jason? Well, you got the list in front of you. Let's just, whichever one you want to go through first, let's just go through. We'll talk a little bit about each one of them and what yeah. we can do to kind of overcome them. 
Yeah, so we talked a little bit about our brain. This is kind of hard to overcome because we are wired for that. And when we started to actually form societies and form villages, you can imagine, you know, you know the 15 to 20 people in your village. If somebody, you know, suddenly someone comes in from another village and maybe they look different than you or they sound different than you and they have different food choices than you, that would be incredibly threatening to the group. So our brain, again, is just going to see that change as a threat. And that's kind of a hard one to get over because it's, so primitive for us. So uh, how do we help change that? Is it just exposure? Is it programming? What do you think on that one? Well, it's funny because as, as you say that, this is one too, where again, it's it's subconscious because it's built into us, right? Yep. I mean, through millions of years of living as humans, we've been doing this, but but also there is some consciousness to it too. You know, because I know as a, as a, as a parent, you know, we have that stranger danger, right. Mm -hmm. Kind of, a, a, kind of an idea. So we're also kind of programming it consciously and subconsciously into yeah. our kids as well. Right. Oh, absolutely. But I, th I, th I think, and so tell me if I'm wrong, but I think this is something that we can reprogram. Right. And we've, we've yeah. talked a lot about some of the different ways that we can do it. I mean, you do it all all day every day as a hypnotist with people mm -hmm. um, that there are some ways for us to actually you know reprogram that right absolutely and it's so interesting i remember watching fr family friends and they had younger children we took them down to the beach and they were you know they're kids they're walking by the water and they're splashing in that low part of the water and a wave came the wave was like this big and the parents <laughs> were like oh, oh, oh you're okay oh, are you okay? and they ran and grabbed the kids you would have thought a shark was jumping at them and i watched these parents instill this fear this hesitancy this re not resistance to change but i mean like zero i mean they were so risk adverse they they pampered these kids they were so they they created terrified children and now i know these kids as adults and they're pretty much terrified adults. They're still terrified. You know, it's like you can watch that grow in people. So stepping outside of that and making different choices, especially as a parent, is definitely going to help. But what, what about us? What about us middle-aged people that are already programmed for this? It's got to be tough to break out of these patterns. And one thing in the hypnosis, of course, is a great choice. There's also something called cognitive restructuring, where it's you know a chart and you sit down and you look at when have I had this experience before? What were the outcomes? What do I know? Uh, you know, what are other choices I can make? And that's one of those things that's a really phenomenal tool. A lot of psychologists use this. It's a little bit in NLP, but not as much. And you know, it's about reprogramming your brain and giving you the tools, the tool to say, well, this doesn't have to end this way. There are other choices I can make, other steps I can take, and you can start to make it a known. And as soon as you make it a known, then it's not as scary because your brain's going to go towards that thing it knows. So it just becomes this loop of you have to make it a known thing for yourself. Well, that's why sometimes, you know, for people that have gone through coaching as well, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's often one of the questions that that'll come up is, has there ever been a time before yep. when blank, right? Whatever it is, right? And so that's that's helping you go through some of that conscious reframing of, yep. well, hold it, you know, yeah, la I, I, I've been in the ocean when there's been a wave before. Has that little tiny wave that's only six inches tall, has it, has it hurt me in the past? Yeah. No, it hasn't hurt me in the past. So if it hasn't hurt me in the past, why do I think it's going to hurt me now? Right. Yeah. Or you can take it to the full end of, okay, what if it does hurt me? Okay. It knocks me down. I'm in two feet of water. Mm-hmm.
I'm probably going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, we do have these sort of irrational fears. And I remember after being audited by the IRS, which was a terrifying experience, it was six months of absolute hell. I'm still here. I live to tell the tale, you know? So, and I remember I wrote an article for other massage therapists to help them through this because then it made it less scary for them. So I was happy to get to share that experience. But the following year I do my taxes and I file them and I was actually going to get a refund. Oh my God. <laughs> I know it was like $12, but I, I was going to get a refund. Um, and we had done the tax. We had done them so conservatively so that even if they would want to look at them again, it would actually come out in my favor. So I knew this and I'm waiting for, you know, the thing, waiting for my check, waiting for my check, waiting for my check. And I called my tax guy and I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm still waiting. And he goes, Oh, wow. You really should have had it by now. Go to this thing on the IRS site. It was, you know, find my refund or whatever it was. This was years ago. And so I got on the thing, find my refund. I enter all my stuff. And it says, delayed and i went <laughs> what does delayed mean oh my god are they auditing you know and so i email my guy and i said it says delayed what does delayed mean is delayed bad and he goes no dot 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 but i would call on monday i'm like oh my god i'm getting audited again and i started to think okay calm down what do you know to be true you filed a phenomenal tax return. It is perfect. Even if they want to look at it, you specifically did it so it would come out in your favor. And the only word you know is delayed. That's the only word you know. Delayed could simply mean there's millions of people filing taxes right now, and it's simply delayed. Um, so Monday comes, I don't call because who am I going to talk to? Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, I get the check. It, it was simply delayed. You know, and it's like we look at that and we have this gigantic reactivity to it because of these past experiences. And it's like we can reprogram that, we can reframe that. And I, that's why I love asking the question what do I know to be true? All I know is it's delayed. Until I get a letter that says otherwise, I just have to trust that it's delayed. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's that meaning that, that you were putting on that particular word. Yep. Based on your previous experiences. But again, had nothing to do with it. And I love the idea too of, because I've heard this from a few people, you know, as well as, well, what's the worst that can happen? And again, usually that's never going to be, I'm going to die, right? And we feel Even, that way though. Yeah, we do feel that way. And our subconscious is making us feel like, be careful, you know, again, because mm -hmm. we think it's a lion, tear, you know, bear, tiger, something like that coming to eat us. Yeah. But, but most of the things that we experience in life will not kill us. Right. Yeah. And so one of the, one of the sayings that one of my coaches says that I really love is everything always has been is now and will be just fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. Well, and to that point, when I got, when I started getting into the audit and I was having this complete, like I was up in the middle of the night, every night going, ah, like I'd wake from dead sleep. Cause this was a terrifying experience. And I, part of it now, and looking back at it was that idea of getting in trouble, mm -hmm. which we were terrified of as a kid, right? You know, like you didn't want to the principal's office, the teacher, the priest, the whatever you didn't want to get in trouble. And I think that's part of what it was is I was taught to be such a good girl and follow all the rules. And, you know, what if I did something wrong? And what if they yell at me? And what if I get grounded? You know, and I, my dad's girlfriend said, Kathy, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? And I said, I'll owe them money. And she goes, okay, do you have the money to pay them? And I said, I don't know. It depends on how much. And she goes, well, you know what they do if you don't have enough money to pay them? They put you on a payment plan and you pay them 
She said, and that'll be inconvenient and you don't want to give them more money. She said, but that's the worst thing. They're not going to throw you in jail. You're not laundering money. There's no debtor's prison. They're not going to put you in the square and throw fruit at you. You're going to owe them money. You're going to write them a check. And I was like, oh, that seems so much less scary, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because our minds, they do these things. It's part of our brain. Cool. So yeah, that's a great one with, um, with our brain and talking about that. So cool. So how about being just plain stubborn? Nah, I said I wasn't going to do it. I'm not going to do that thing. Stubborn, stubborn, stubborn. Well, you know, and, and I, I, I know for myself, again, from self, from some introspection, right? That is one thing that I tend to go to often mm. is, if, mm-hmm. is, is if even if I know, right, that it's in my best interest, if I feel like I'm getting pressured or have to do it, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. I will put in put in my heels, right? I'll take yep. my heels in. And part of that is, you know, as, as I've tried to think about it too, it goes, goes back to uh, one of my highest values is freedom. And so it feels like, you know, that if I'm being forced to do something that I'm not really yeah. free. Mm-hmm. And so again, that's one of those where I have, uh, you know, done some cognitive restructure as well to say no, it's still my choice yeah. to do that or not, right? And so I can allow myself to choose that doesn't take away my freedom. Right. And, it's, and especially when it's, you know, again, as you start thinking through it, it's like, I know this is in my, my best self-interest. So why am I not doing it? Oh, it's just because I'm being stubborn. Okay, right. well, I'm going to allow myself to choose what's in my best interest. Yeah. And then I'm going to move forward. Right. And to me, the big part of this is um, sort of like being viewed as a hypocrite. So it's like when I moved to Los Angeles and so many of the adults were like, what are you going to do if the acting thing doesn't work out? And I remember this very like rebellious, arrogant part of me going, what do you mean it's not going to work? Of course it's going to work out. It's going to be exactly this. And I set it up. I told everybody I was going to go to you know, pursue this acting thing. And this is what was going to happen. And it was going to work. And I was going to have this career. And then when it didn't, and I went, oh shit, I want to quit. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. My first thought was, well, what's everybody, what's everybody going to think? You know, they told me I was going to fail. And now I did. If I make a different choice, it's going to look like I'm a failure. And so that was a huge part of me staying in that space a little bit longer because I said I was going to do it. And now I'm changing my mind. And that's, you know, first of all, no one cared. And second of all, (laughs) oh, my neighbor back home is going to think I'm a failure, whatever. Uh, You know, but I think that gets in our head of, you know, well, I said I was going to do this thing. And even if you find out you have a better choice or a different choice, there's still a part of you going, yeah, but I said it. So if I go back on that now, how am I going to be viewed kind of thing? So I think that's part of it too. And it is really just releasing that, that preconceived notion of what are people going to think and making your best choice for you in that moment. It's okay for us to change our minds. It's okay for us to make a different choice. And we have to reassure ourselves of that. Well, and I think that's important because, because where I was going to kind of go with it too, is, you know, like you said, there is just what you said, there's that fear of, you know, what, what's everybody else going to think, right? So again, that goes back to that abandonment feelings that we have. And obviously Mm -hmm. that scares the shit out of us, right? Yep. But, but just, just as probably great of a factor is that, and I see this from so many people is they're afraid that once they've said something, they're never allowed 
to make a different choice. Right. Right. Because if I, if I now make a different choice now, somehow I'm not an ethical person mm. or whatever. Right. Right. And so again, it's, you know, we've talked about relationships, other things where this, where this goes on. Right. I mean, both you and I have been divorced, right. We mm -hmm. both, we both got married to people. We had the best intentions and we're choosing at that time yep. that this is what we wanted. And our plan and intention was it was going to last for the rest of our life. Uh -huh. Well, at some point, things changed. We changed. Our partners changed. Uh -huh. And it's okay, right, for us to make a different choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's okay. That's... There's nothing wrong. It doesn't mean oh, that yeah. you're not ethical. Right. It just means, you know, there's different choices that you want to make now that are going to serve you. Uh -huh. and, and just because you, you say something one time doesn't mean that you have to do it and you can right. never deviate from it right. for the rest of your life. Uh, or else we'd still be sitting on our parents' lap and we'd still be, you know, in our first house or apartment and we'd still be you know I mean, it's like we right. change all the time and that's what's so fascinating is we accept some parts of change and not other parts of change and that's just to me this is why i started working on this talk because to me it's so fascinating and the different reasons as i really sat with that and came up with why aren't we changing you know and the, the other one the other one that kind of goes with the stubbornness to me is habit Oh, it's just how we've always done it. You know, I've had so many clients complain about their doctor. I don't like this guy. He sucks. And he, well, why don't you switch doctors? Ah, I've had him for years. Well, that doesn't mean he's good. You know, oh, our housekeeper's terrible. She just talks. She doesn't really clean anything. I think she's stealing from me. Why don't you get rid of her? Ah, she's been in the family for generations. Well, but what? <laughs> it's it's okay to make a new choice it's okay to make a new choice you know if you feel bad about letting her go because she's now 80 and she needs your 17 dollars an hour or whatever you're paying her that's one thing but it's just to just keep something going because that's the way you've always done it so here's my funny story so um i drink a lot of iced tea as all of you have noticed i go through too many of these i think and so for the longest time when i was with my ex we would buy jugs of water and when the water was gone, I would brew the tea and I would pour it into the gallon jug and put it in the fridge. That's just what I did. So when he and I split, I brought all these gallon jugs with me, right? And eventually they get dirty and then the tea tastes crappy and you can't clean it. And I am not one to go buy jugs of water. So I literally one day text him and I'm like, do you have any empty water jugs? Okay, this is ridiculous. I'm a grown woman. Why am I doing this? So I literally drove across town to pick up empty water jugs to put my iced tea in. One day I'm walking through CVS and I see these lovely pitchers and I go, nah, they were seven bucks. Keep walking. And now I'm trying to pour from a pan and there's tea everywhere. They taste terrible. And so one day I walk back through CVS and I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pull the trigger on this. And I bought one jug, not two, one jug for seven bucks where one you know, very nice picture was red, matches the kitchen. So now I've got one water jug that I'm still trying to pour tea into and one very nice picture with a very wide mouth where I just go bloop. It took me weeks to go back to CVS, even though I'm in there all the time, to buy another freaking jug, to buy another pitcher. It took me months of inconvenience of literally texting him and going, could I get a water jug? It was absolutely ridiculous. And that's actually kind of what sparked me doing this entire workshop was why would I, why did I not just buy pictures? I've got $14. I'm in CVS all the time. I'm in Bed Bath & Beyond all the time. But for some reason, because I had always done it that way, 
I just kept doing it. And it struck me as absolutely inane that I was continuing this behavior. Well, the, crazy the, to me. The funny, ironic thing about it too, right, is, is as you were talking, you know, one of the pro- problems, we'll call mm-hmm. them, you know, that you had was after a while, you can't really clean it, right? You can put water in it and shake them up, but you can't, you can't really wash it. And so the pitcher option actually, you know, fulfills or gets rid of that problem too, right? But again, it's, well, this is the way I've always done it. So this is the way that I have to keep doing it. Yeah. And again, I mean, that's, this is normal in, in so much of our life where we get resistant because, mm-hmm. well, it's, it's the way we've always done it. So why wouldn't we always do that? Right. right. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's just a matter of noticing that that's how asking yourself why the five whys, why do we do this? And is it the, the NSA national speakers association always jokes about the, the ham story. Are you familiar with the ham yeah, story? Oh, yeah. Christmas? Zig, Zig Ziglar. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that his? Yeah. About, yeah. you know, they would cut off the ends of the ham and stick it in the pan. And the daughter goes, why do we do it that way? Well, I don't know. Ask your mother. Well, I don't know. That's how we've always done it. Well, ask your grandma. Okay. Well, ask your great aunt. And it turns out that the very first time they made it, the ham was too big for the pan. And so they had to cut the ends off to have it fit. Yeah. And they just thought that was some family tradition, not ever questioning. Why do we do that? So this is where I love the asking why sometimes there's no real good reason why you're doing this. I still don't know why I was so resistant to get a freaking pitcher. I mean, it's, it's insane. So now I got two pitchers. They're lovely. They're red. They match the kitchen. And you don't have to keep calling your ex to, uh, to get, to get more bottles. <laughs> yeah. But yesterday it was, can I borrow the staple gun? It's like, you know, yeah, it's... <laughs> my shit is still there. So it's like, I just, Kathy, I think you can afford a staple gun too. So just buy it next time. <laughs> I needed to staple one thing. I'm not buying a whole staple gun. It's ridiculous. This is where I'm just going to be stubborn on that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, leaving stubbornness because you know, I'm feeling attacked. No, I'm kidding. No. Um, sometimes there, you know, sometimes there is secondary gain. There is a huge amount of um, positive positive feedback that you can get from staying stuck. And I see a lot of my clients staying in situations or not wanting to change because it's not only comfortable where they are, but there's some sort of benefit to being that way, whether it's staying in pain or staying needy or staying overweight or staying whatever it is, they find that they are getting rewarded very subconsciously, of course, for being in that not great healthy state, you know, unhealthy state. So thoughts on secondary gain? Well, yeah, because the first time that I had heard this, you know, again, I heard it from one of the coaches that I had many years ago, it, you know, was, you know, well, what, what do you expect to gain? Or what are you gaining by not changing? Right. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like, I'd never, I'd never really thought of it that way, or even realized that there could be something like that. Right. But, but, but again, so if if people haven't heard of it, there, there usually is, if you're resistant to change, there usually is a secondary gain to it. Right. Like, like, let's again, let's just, we'll just use a little example from a relationship. Okay. So, so let's say, you know, again, your partner says something to you that's hurtful. And instead of standing up for yourself, saying what you really believe or what you think, you, you know, tend to go back into whatever the old pattern was of maybe mm-hmm. accepting it, getting it, you know, getting hit on the chin, if you will, um, from that. And so, 
a lot of times then when people look at that, they're like, why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep letting this person emotionally or verbally abuse me? I don't like it. And so, you know, again, as you dig into it, it's like there's some secondary gain that you get by doing that. Yeah. And a lot of times in, in that situation, because I've seen this play out with a lot of different people, that exact situation. And most of the time, the secondary gain when you start peeling it back is, well, I'm afraid that I'm going to make them mad. And if I make them mad, then they may no longer want to be with me. And if they no longer want to be with me, then I might get divorced and I'm a stay at home mom. And so if I get divorced, then how am I going to feed my kids? Right. So, so there's a lot of these other secondary gains that people don't consciously realize are there that are holding them back. Yeah. Yeah. I have a slightly different example. I love that. That's so true. I mean, it's like people stay in relationships all the time. They, they put up with things that a lot of others go, why are you putting up with that? There's, they're getting some sort of benefit from it. Even if it's this way back childhood thing where they think they deserve to be treated like that, that's even tapping into some sort of psychological benefit for them. Um, when I was doing more massage, I had a client who she had a horrible back. I mean, it was just, it was just a mess and her back went out. When her back would go out, she could do nothing for about two weeks other than sit on the couch, hold the cat, play games, take her pain meds. That was her existence for about two weeks. And after the fifth or sixth time, I was talking to her on the phone. I said, how are you feeling? Isn't there something you could do about this? She goes, yeah, I'm exploring those things. But quite frankly, it's actually kind of nice when my back goes out because then my husband does all the cleaning. Ding, 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 secondary gain. And I went, interesting. Now she said it and I'm thinking, on some very subconscious level, if she's happy when her back goes out because she gets to relax, she doesn't have to go to work, her husband does all the cleaning, I think there's so many other choices. I mean, if it's just about, let's just distill it down to the cleaning, hire a cleaning service, uh, you know, <laughs> sit your husband down and go, hey, I'd like more help around the house, as opposed to waiting for your back to go out and then enjoying the fact that he's vacuuming and you're sitting on the couch with your pain, your pain meds and the cat. You know, there's, there's, there's cognitive stuff around that from a communication standpoint, from a values and knowing what you need from somebody else standpoint, rather than waiting for your back to go out in such a debilitating way that you can't get off the couch. Yeah, that's a perfect yeah. example because she's, she's willing to go through the physical pain to get the secondary gain of yep. her husband cleaning the house. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cool. And I'm thinking this, we're kind of approaching the end of the time. Why don't we pick up next time and talk about the other reasons? Mm, I think we can do that. Make people okay. have to come back and listen next week. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's do that. So what did we talk about? We talked about, um, which ones did we do? We talked about talking about our brain. We talked about being just plain stubborn. <laughs> we talked about habit and we talked about some secondary gain. So if you're finding any of these things affect you in your life and you're having trouble changing, really just sit down with yourself and ask those questions. Ask why you are doing that. You know, what's, what's behind it? Figure out which one of those reasons and take some steps to bring change back into your life in a safe and healthy way. Perfect. And you'll have to tune in to the next episode for the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. <laughs> On page 32. <laughs> On page 32, like in those uh, Choose Your Own Adventure books, right? Ooh. Ooh you remember those? Fun. Oh, I love those books. Yeah, I do. Well, hopefully you'll choose your next adventure with us. In the meantime, I'm Kathy Groover. I can be reached at kathygroover.com. I'm Jason Mefford. I can be reached at jasonmefford.com. So go out 
don't resist change this week. Use some of these uh, little techniques that we talked about. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the Fire and Earth podcast. See ya. See ya.